we've been talking about this book over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? And um, the importance of this book. And it really is an, an important book. Uh, this book is about Jesus. All of it is about Jesus. In fact, the Hebrews who looked at the Old Testament came to a place of, of, of understanding when Jesus explained to them how the Old Testament pointed to him. This book is all about, everything that's been written in here is about Jesus. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. And the reason for those of us here today who are followers of Jesus, those of us who are Christians, the reason, the reason why we read this book is because it helps us grow in our understanding of God, right? The, we read this book because uh, it, uh, it helps us understand how God loves us and how we can develop our love for Him. It's a spiritual book as well, and I spoke about that a few weeks ago. This is a, is a book that sometimes you've got to open your spiritual eyes uh, to read and say, oh God, you're saying something over here, or oh, I don't understand. Lord, open up the eyes of my heart so that you can reveal to me, give me a revelation of what's written in this book. So it really is an important book. It's alive and it's active. I spoke about that last week. This book divides between the bone and the marrow. It divides between soul and spirit. It's a re it's a, hmm, there's so much in this book. I'd like to talk about this book for the rest of the year. I talk about it every Sunday, but this is a book that I think far too many Christians are not chewing on. I, I don't think it's possible to truly follow Jesus without this book, without this book having an impact on your life or a bearing on your life. Okay. Amen. We're done. <laughs> All right. What's the time? Let's pray. Let's pray and we'll dive into the message. Father, I just thank you that in the next couple of moments, your Holy Spirit's work will continue in this place. And for everyone who's sitting here today, Lord, I pray that they're going to be moved by your word today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm wrapping up this little series of talks, um, but as I've said, this is an important book. For any Christian, it is a really important book. Is this book an important book? Yes. Is this an important book to you? Yes. Do you read it? Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Thanks for your honesty. Thanks for your honesty. Folk, I'm telling you, your, 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 your walk with God is, is going to kind of have a handbrake on if you're not getting into this which He has given us. And, 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 and every, every one of us agree that this is an important book. But you know, when even that word important, we can have different understandings of what importance means. Important to you can, uh, that importance about whatever it might be might be different to my level of importance. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? So someone's level of importance about something might be very different to somebody else's level of importance. Somebody might say, this is important. And somebody's going, yeah, it's important. Somebody else, yeah, it's important. So there's differences in the, in the understanding of importance. And when I say this is an important book, everybody can say, yes, it's an important book. I once went into a guy's house, and, and uh, this was a couple of years back, and went into his home, and uh, and. He, he, he said this is a really important book. He believed it to be an important book. In fact, as I walked into his home, his lounge area was on the left-hand side, and it was really, it was immaculate. And, and in pride of place in this lounge was this old antique table. 
And on this antique table was an, a big, big old family Bible. And this family Bible was open. It was open like right in the middle of the Bible. It was open like that. It had a pride of place in, 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 his, in his lounge room. And it, I could see that you know, he, he was quite proud of it. He, it, it was important for him. He, he had, when he was t- showing me this book, it was almost like a righteous um, or a, like, yeah, like a, maybe like a religious type thing around, a, a religious reverence around the book. It, it was important to him. And he even said it to me. He said, Andrew, you know, the Bible is an important book. And he had this tone of voice when he spoke about this family. The Bible is an important book. It's just not like any other book. This is a book that you, you've got to treat differently. It's, it's a holy book. And so for me, there was no doubt of the importance of this book to him. The problem, as I soon discovered, was that what was written in this book was not part of him. As I got to know the guy, I realized through what he would say and, and through his, the way he would live his life, I realized that what was written in this book, even though this book was important to him, that what was written wasn't in him. The importance of the Bible to him lay in some religious idea that he had in his head about this being a holy book. And so, in my eyes, he completely missed the point about why this book is so important. See, when we talk about the importance of this book, the importance lies in what is written on the pages becoming part of us, letting that shape us, letting that guide us. You know, taking Scripture in is, is kind of like I went to the hospitality area, I got a little Mentos. This is a Mentos suite. Kind of like reading the Bible is like sucking a Mentos. It's a bit hard to start with. And sometimes when you get the Bible, it's a bit hard. You know, that's why a lot of people say oh, it's hard. Huh? You just got to keep sucking. <laughs> you got to keep reading. Do you want a piece? <laughs> but reading, my, reading, reading the Bible is a bit like sucking on a sweet. But now this thing is starting to soften. The more I suck on it, it's starting to go, mm, I'm chewing on it. It's a bit softer. And sometimes, you know, the Bible can be hard at first, but the more you chew on it, the more you suck on it. Don't say the Bible sucks. Some people say, will say that kind of thing. The more you suck on the sweet, it softens. The more you ponder on what's written on these pages, the easier it will become for you to understand. And it's juicy. And actually there's this, suddenly I've got this freshness. You know, my, my breath is, I can feel it down my throat. It's really, really nice. And, and in the same way, as, um, as the freshness gets released from this Mentos, when you read the Bible, it freshens your spirit. It does a refreshing work on the inside of you. And eventually, you know what's going to happen is my body is going to absorb this mint. It's going to become part of me. As I chew on it. I'm taking it in. It's becoming part of me. It's going into me. And it's the same with Scripture. The more we read this, the more we chew on this, the more we, we meditate on it, the more we look at those words, the deeper we delve, it will become part of us. It will begin to shape your character. And Jesus is in the character-shaping business. 
Jesus is very interested in your character. He's, that's why we say we want to become more Christ-like. We're talking about our character so that we can become like Jesus. He's interested in our character. And God has given us this book to help shape our character. So the more we read this, just like I'm sucking on the sweet, which is now stuck in my tooth. I'm taking it in. I'm taking it in. It's becoming part of me. The more I read the scripture, it'll become part of me. I know it's a really silly analogy. But I want to speak this morning, as I wrap this up, about getting this into us. Getting this into us. The psalmist says this in Psalm 119. It says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your word. How many of you have ever memorized some, some scripture? Wave at me. Okay, that's good. Out of those who uh, have memorized some scripture, um, how many of you would say that you've got at least 10 verses that you've committed to memory? One, two, three, four, five, six. I'm talking about the right topic this morning. How many of those who've, who've memorized 10 would say you've memorized like 20? You've got 20 verses you could just call to memory. Mm. Uh, okay. So nobody's above 20. Because I was going to do a test this morning. It's really important to hide the Word of God in, in, in your heart. Really important to memorize it. I think one of the best things that we can do as followers of Jesus is take some verses, take some passages of Scripture, and get that into our hearts, get that into our minds, get sections of God's Word into our spirit. I read this book pretty much every day, and I can't quote you every chapter and every verse but I know roughly where it is because in my Bible I highlight and I underline and I, I put sticky, sticky notes and all kinds of things as I get this into, into me as I hide the Word of God in, 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 in my heart. And so um, even though I can't quote chapter and verse, it's, it's a gift to me to have this Scripture in my heart and in my head because I carry it around with me all the time. Just like this Mentos, the Scripture has become part of me. And so it pops into my head in the strangest of circumstances. The Holy Spirit will use the verses that I've loaded into my heart and into my mind. The Holy Spirit will bring that to remembrance. The Holy Spirit will let those verses come to mind in any little situation. And those verses will speak to me and be a guide to me in that situation. The Word of God then becomes a light to my path. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so when I struggle with temptation, because sometimes I do struggle with temptation, I'm tempted to engage or do something, or I can get angry at times, and I can lose my temper a little bit, or those moments where I need wisdom, I really need wisdom, really need insight, or those moments where I can get a little bit puffed up, you know, a little bit prideful, <laughs> you know, I, that happens to me. I don't know if it happens to you. Or those moments where I need peace, peace in my heart. The Holy Spirit will very often bring to mind the written Word of God that I've memorized. Just in that moment, the Spirit of God will say, that's what the Scripture says. And I almost need to do a, a course correction. 
adjust, adjust the direction in which I'm going because I've hid it, hidden it in my heart. When we have the Word of God inside of us, the Spirit of God will make use of it. I want you to hang on to that. When you've got the Word of God inside of you, the Spirit of God will make use of it. The Holy Spirit will prompt you with the Word of God. It doesn't matter what you might, circumstance or situation you might be in. But if you've got the Word of God inside of you, if you've been reading this, meditating on this, memorizing it, letting it sink into you, absorbing it, then the Holy Spirit will, will, will bring that to memory. It'll be like a compass so that you know which way to go in whatever challenge or circumstance you might be in life. I just want to share with you this morning a couple of the experiences of where the Holy Spirit has brought this to memory in my own life. And maybe you'll understand what I'm talking about. And, and one of them that really stands out for me, and this happened just before we came to Australia, was um, it was one Monday morning. It was the start to the week. And I was, I was, I think I just got out of the shower, brushing my teeth, busy getting dressed. And Debbie, who's always up earlier than I am, she comes through. It was like quarter to seven in the morning now. It's Monday and everybody's off to go and go. Debbie can't find her car keys. Cannot find her car keys. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like, what do you mean? I'm brushing my teeth. What do you mean you can't find your car keys? Where are your car keys? It's quarter to seven. She's off to go. And I can see when Debbie, if things, the, my precious, beautiful wife, when things don't always work out, you can almost see the stress. You know, you can see the gauge. It's kind of moving towards, anybody know what I'm talking about? The, the starts to, to move towards the red, yeah? So, you know, it's like, it's quarter to seven. She's got to get off to school. She's got to get off the boys. You know, the boys are going to get to school. And, and, and so, the, so the search becomes frantic on a Monday morning. Where are the car keys? You know, and Debbie's going through her bag. She's searching and pulling stuff out of her bag, you know. And, and I'm, like, I'm like half awake getting into her car in the garage. I'm looking under the seat. I'm under the mats. I'm opening up the boot. Where are these, these car keys? And... Um, as I walk from the garage, we, uh, our garage went straight into the kitchen, but the counter uh, in the kitchen, there was, we had this bin that fitted underneath the counter, and it had like this top surface thing, uh, lid. You take the lid off and put the rubbish in there, and it'd fall into the bin. You're with me? You, you know what I'm talking about? As I walk from the garage into the kitchen, I get the sense that maybe the keys are in the bin. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe. So I mean, why on earth would the keys be in the bin? I open up the door, pull the bin out, pull out a cereal box, look at the junk and the gunk, and I'm like, I don't think the keys are in there. And I put the bin back in the kitchen. And, and uh, you know, it just can't be there. So we carry on searching for these keys. Five minutes passed, 10 minutes passed, 15 minutes passed. I go back into the garage, check again. Can't find these jolly keys. Come back in. Get a sense again. Check the bin. So I go to the rubbish. Open up the rubbish. Dig a little deeper. Like, ugh, ugh. There's no ways. There's no ways that her keys could be in, in, in the rubbish. I don't know. It's quarter past 20 past 7 now. And uh, it's Monday. It's the start of the week. And it's not starting well. And Debbie and I. That's a really good way of putting it. We're having a friendship fire. <laughs> we were having a friendship fire. <clears throat> and I'm like, I'm going to get the spare key. Here's the spare key. Take the car. We'll look for those keys. And I'm like, how can you lose the car keys? You know, real male thing. Anyway, Debbie heads off. And I calm down. And I go and 
get a cup of coffee, and um, I was going to be heading into the church, and I thought I'm just going to take some time and go and walk in the garden, and I'm going to have my cup of coffee. And as I'm walking and having my coffee, I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, you know, really, those keys can't just go missing. Where are those keys? Would you just show me where those keys are? And I have uh, in my life, I don't know if you in your life, but I've adopted some of this text, and I've kind of taken it as my life verses. Some people have a life verse. And I've got some life verses, and these verses are verses that I kind of live by. Um, I I try and live my life by these these verses. And so these verses pop into my mind. This is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you the path to take. So for me in my life, I've adopted them as my life verses, and I, I say, you know, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lord, Andrew, trust God in everything. You know, don't always try to understand things, right? Don't rely on your own understanding, and a- a- acknowledge Him in all your ways. In other words, seek His will in what you do. Acknowledge God, and He's going to direct your paths. And so in my life, I've tried to live by these verses. And so I'm in the garden, drinking the coffee, thinking about the cockies, and whammo, these verses come into mind. But the, ver- the line from these verses that really pops out at me is, do not depend on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And I've, I've had this sense about the rubbish bin the whole morning around these keys. And so I go back into that house. I tear open. I pull the bag out, rip it out. I tear the thing open. And right at the bottom of this rubbish bag in the oil and the gunk and the uh, what do I find? <laughs> I needed a Mentos after that bag, but I found those car keys. And so somehow they'd inadvertently been thrown into that bin. I don't know how on earth that happened. We're not even going to go there. Um, But those keys would have landed up on some rubbish tip somewhere, and they would have been gone. Except that I slowed down long enough to let the Holy Spirit whisper to me a verse of Scripture brought it to memory. And I don't know why. I've never forgotten that. It's just, it's just stayed with me. Now I'm starting to tear up because I'm going to tell you the next story. In our journey with God, we've got to be so open to the voice of the Spirit. But not only open, we've got to try and be obedient. And recently I was prompted by God And I willfully disobeyed. This is just like God, I knew God was asking me to do something by the power of His Spirit, and I didn't do it. And you can tell, I I regretted it. I'm not tearing myself up about it anymore because God spoke to me about it, but but I regretted it. I regretted not being obedient to the Spirit of God. I was up at uh, Kingsway Shopping Center at the Woolworths one day, and I'm busy, I've got my um, groceries, and I'm putting these groceries onto the till at the pay point, and it's coming through, and the attendant's busy scanning the stuff, putting them in the bags. And as I'm standing there, this woman comes, and she starts to put, put stuff on the, on, the, on, the, on the conveyor thing. And, and as, I, as I look at, she's just got some basic stuff, basic life stuff. As I look at her, I look at her, and I just immediately get the sense in my heart. Like, it doesn't happen to me often. This never really happens to me. But that day, pay for her groceries. Where does that come from? Pay for her groceries. I got this distinct impression from the Holy Spirit. Pay for her 
groceries. It was like this inner voice that just started blaring in my head. Pay for her groceries. Pay for her groceries. And as I'm standing there and I'm listening, I'm thinking, I don't know if this has happened to you, but I start having this conversation in my head. This conversation starts going. Do you ever have an, is it only me? Do you ever have an internal conversation start happening? The voices start coming? You're hearing the voices? How, how do I know in my mind that it's not, is that I believe it to be the Holy Spirit? It's not just my conscience speaking, because it's not something that happens to me often. And when, when I'm in a situation and a text of Scripture or something pops into my head, normally it's associated with what I'm busy with or what I'm doing. And so very often, if, that, like if Scripture comes into my mind, it's like I'm dealing with a situation and I've called out to God. And I've said, God, would you help me? And suddenly it comes to mind. And I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that, any of you, where you've said to God, God, I need your help. And God has suddenly spoken to you in some way, maybe through a person or through Scripture or through some change in the situation. And so that's why I say it's the Holy Spirit who, uh, who was speaking to me because I'm not the kind of guy who pays for other people's groceries. I just am not. You'd never find me doing... Yeah, it... I just, I just knew. I knew, knew, knew deep, deep in my heart. It was insane, but I knew it was like God speaking to me, pay for her groceries. I've stood and paid for groceries. I do it every jolly week. I never get the sense to pay for anybody else's groceries. I look at my own bill, and I'm like, how am I going to pay this? And I, that day, I'm standing there, and I'm kidding you not. This incense on the inside is pay for her groceries, pay for her groceries. But I have this conversation going through my mind. You're stupid. What on earth do you think you do? You're going to cause a scene. What are you doing? What's the attendant going to think? What's this woman going to say? She's going to look at you like you're mad. Why would you want it? But on the other part of my brain, it's pay for her groceries, pay for her groceries. But the conversation's going. You, you, you're going to make a scene. You're mad. Why, you th- why would you think she would need you to pay for her groceries? And I'm, I've got this going on. Stupid, eh? No, there, is, there was a reason. But you know what, Louise, instead of listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, who I believed it was speaking to me, and I believed that God wanted to use me in that situation to be a blessing to somebody, do you know what I did? I gave in to my own insecurity. I gave in to that other voice in my mind, and I disobeyed, and I sat there, and I, I, I stood there and I just said, oh, let me just pay for my stuff and go. And that's what I did. I paid for my stuff and go. And as I walked out, I had this real sense in my heart, I should have paid for his stuff. I should have paid for his stuff. And as I'm walking out of that shopping center, what else starts happening to me? Another voice starts popping into my head. You call yourself a pastor. You call yourself a Christian. <laughs> Look at you. God just told you to pay for that woman's gro- And I start having another conversation in my brain. And the enemy just starts in on me. You couldn't obey him in this one little thing. You're supposed to be this big person of God, an example to everybody. One little thing that God asks you to do. Why didn't you do it? I'm like, because I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm just a bad Christian. I'm a terrible Christian. And what do I start doing as I make my way through the parking lot? I beat myself up. And that thing, and I've got the guilt and the shame and the burden of it. And I'm thinking, why did I do that? Why did, I should have just done it. I should have had the guts to act on that prompting. I should have had the faith to believe that God would have worked it out anyway. Even if she declined, I should have still done it because it was God saying, pay for her groceries. And I'm beating myself up, walking towards the car with my groceries. 
Why am I so disobedient, God? Why, why, why am I not more faithful to you? How can, I, how, can you, how can you stand to look at me? How can you forgive me, God, when you've asked me to do something? And I'm, and I'm, and I'm taking myself down. I'm angry with myself for not having the courage, for not having the guts to do it. And as I'm getting, I put the stuff into the boot, I get into the car, and it's like the Holy Spirit just brings another verse to my mind. And you know what the verse was? It was Romans 8 verses 1. Andrew, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That just popped into my head. There's no condemnation. Here I am feeling guilty, shameful for what I've done. There's no condemnation. It was like the Holy Spirit was saying to my mind, Andrew, stop beating yourself up. Get it right with God. Say sorry to God. Apologize for not being obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to carry any level of condemnation. Accept God's forgiveness. Accept God's grace. Just apologize to Him. Take His hand and let's keep moving on. And I had to work through that. I I, I had to work through that. I had to make that shift in my mind. Because of what God has done for me, I thought I'm going to receive your grace. Lord, I'm really sorry for not being more bolder in acting on the prompting of your spirit. But I'm going to receive your grace and I'm just going to move on. Next time, Lord, may I not shy away. Let me be obedient. And you know, I'm telling you, I realize that in so many of the actions, just in the course of a regular day, in my life, certainly, the Holy Spirit affects my mind in a moment, in a, in, in a fraction of a second. It's like God's Word that I've carried around in my heart, that I've memorized, which I've read and read and read and read and dwelt and meditated on, the, that just comes to memory. So when I'm going to say something or when I'm going to decide something, so often, before I actually say that thing or, or decide around that thing, there's a bit of activity in my brain and I believe it's caused by the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's activated um, because the Word of God is in my heart somewhere, and that comes to memory, and it changes my behavior. It changes the, the conversation. It changes my direction. Do you remember when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days? There were three temptations that the enemy threw his way. Do you remember what Jesus did? Jesus didn't just say, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Every time he was tempted, Jesus threw back back Scripture. He quoted Scripture. The devil confronted him, and Jesus just gave that Scripture back. And that Scripture was in him. And as he was doing that, he was reinforcing his commitment to his Father. No, I've chosen to live this way. He's my Father. I'm going to walk in that way. And he quoted that Scripture. That Scripture was hidden in his heart. And I'm telling you, folk, I think it should be the same for us. I think it should be the same for us. Psalm 119, verses 105. We looked at this last week, week, where it says, the psalmist says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That just simply means that in the everyday paths of life, if you've got God's word in your mind and in your heart, it's going to be kind of like this word is going to be a light to your path. It's going to be a lamp to your feet. It's going to show you the way in everyday situations. I've just referenced Psalm 119, verse 11. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So in those moments of truth, the Holy Spirit will bring that passage to mind and you'll say to yourself, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go that way. I'm not going to commit that sin because your word and your spirit are prompting me not to do it. But you've taken the time to let this become part of you. You've seen it as important. You say it's important, but you've let this become part of who you are. I like what Paul wrote to the Colossians in Colossians 3.16. 
He said, this is just the start of this verse, but he says, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Be so saturated with the word of God that in those moments that you're caught of God, whether you're at work or whether you're in the traffic, how many of you drive every day? How many of you have a super drive every day? How many of you ever get caught off guard when somebody chops you off or cuts you off and you want to flip the bird or say something? Yeah. It's in those moments. If you're in the supermarket, no matter where it is, because you've got God's Word hidden in your heart, the Holy Spirit can bring it to mind, and the hope is that a good result will happen instead of a bad one. Folk, like I said, I could continue to talk about this for the next year, But really what I want to do is encourage you to consume what God has given to us. That's why I'm talking about this book. We need to embed what's written in here deep into our hearts. So if anyone ever comes to you and says, is the Bible relevant to your life? Does the Bible have any meaning for you? Well, if you've let this become part of who you are, you can say, this has revolutionized my life. This has changed the shape of my eternity. This has changed my understanding of who God is and who I am in in Him. We need what's written in here so that we can know God's mind on things. Paul tells us we can know, we can have the mind of God. And too many of us, we wonder, well, what does that mean? How can I have the mind of God? Well, Paul says you can have the mind of God by getting this into you. Let this word dwell richly in you. Let this be deep. Be, let it be part of who you are. You, like being saved. As a pastor, do you know how many times I've had to pray with people because they're not sure they're saved? I'm not sure that I, I've got it right with God. It's happened to me over and over again. Romans 10 verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. you know part of the problem with the church today is? Too many people have grown up in a Christian home and they think they're Christians because they've grown up in a Christian home and they've never come to a place of said, I'm calling on the name of Jesus Christ because I'm going to make him my Lord and Savior. God, I surrender my life to you. You've got to come to that moment where you've prayed that prayer or you've called out to the Lord and you've said, Jesus, would you come? I surrender my life to you. Hopefully there's been a time in your life where you've, where you've done that and you've sensed that God has heard you, that he's heard, that he's heard your prayer that He's forgiven you, that He's saved you. And this verse is a reminder of that. There was a day that I called upon the name of the Lord, and I'm saved, I'm saved. Praise the name of Jesus. But even though we know that, sometimes we doubt it, don't we? And so that's why we need the Scripture, because we need those moments of assurance about our salvation. Sometimes when I mess up, like, how can I be a Christian? How can I call myself a Christian if I've done that or if I've said that? Yeah? And so it's important that we've got a verse, that we've got that into our heart and into our mind and into our spirit, so that, that in that moment of doubt, you, 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 where you, you're thinking, am I really a Christian? You've got a part of Scripture that gives you a sense that, in fact, you are a Christian. 1 John 5 verse 12 says this, so simple, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. How, how difficult is that to remember? Whoever has the Son has life. Have I asked the Son of God to come into my life? Yes. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I've done that. So whoever has the Son has life. So I have life in Christ because I've called upon His name. So I can have assurance of my salvation. 
Do you understand where I am this morning? Do you understand where maybe you need to be this morning? Anybody here ever get tempted? Late at night? When you open the fridge door? We all get tempted, don't we? And we face these temptations every day. And again, yeah, the Scripture speaks to these things. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul writes here, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, there's a temptation level that is common to all of us. And it says over here that God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. The question is, do you believe that? That God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There's never a temptation that's going to come your way that is beyond your ability to cope with. And Paul goes on over here, he says, but when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Every single time, if your life is hidden in Christ, every time you're tempted, it says that God will provide a way out. If you choose to fall into sin, it's not because there wasn't a way out, because God will give you a way out if you're looking for it, if you're open to it. God, I'm being tempted over here. Show me the way. Lord, change the situation. Change the circumstance. Turn the electricity off, God. I don't know what you're going to do. Make the food rotten so I'm not going to eat it and give in to the temptation. Give me a way out, Lord. The problem is we just don't choose the way out. And so this is a good verse to memorize so when that temptation comes, we can understand, hey, I'm not the only one who struggles with temptation. And if a temptation is coming my way, God has promised me that he's going to give me a way out. What about trials? How, how many of you have been going through a difficult time in some part of your life recently? A few of you. I think this is a verse that I, I need in my, in my heart and mind. James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy. Sorry, James 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And so if you're in a place of enormous pressure, if you're under a lot of pressure, you've got to have something that's going to carry you through, something at your disposal so that you know that it's not the end of the world. Consider it pure joy. Thank you, God, that you'd fill me with your joy. I'm facing a difficult circumstance over here. Lord, may I stand strong. My faith is in you. Help me persevere through this. I like James 1 verse 12, which is a couple of verses further. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood that test, the person will receive, sorry, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Having stood that test, every trial has got a shelf life. It's going to come to an end one day. And you say to yourself, because the Spirit of God has brought that to memory, wait a minute, I can get through this. I'm going to make it through. What about fear? Anybody here ever get fearful? When it comes to fear, it's good to have another verse that you can say, God, I'm, I'm going to embed this in my heart. I'm going to hide it in my spirit, Lord, so that in that moment of fear, your spirit can bring it to memory. God doesn't want any of us living on a day-by-day -day basis with a fear-based mindset. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This is a great verse to memorize. God's not given me a spirit of fear. So when I'm facing that situation and I'm beginning to fear, I'm beginning to be anxious, no, God's not given me a spirit of fear. God's given me power, spirit of love. 
God's given me a sound mind. Thank you, God, that you just give me some rational thought right now around this situation because I do not need to be fearful. You've not given me a spirit of fear. What about Romans 8 verse 31? I use this verse all the time. If God before me, who can be against me? How many people come up against you? How many situations come up against you? If your life is in Christ, if you've prayed that prayer and you said, God, I'm living for you. Well, if God is for me, who can be against me? Simple. Why wouldn't you have that verse kind of loaded into your brain? Every time you go through a tough situation, you go, wait a minute. If God is for me, who can be against me? What about wisdom? How many of you need wisdom? How many of you need insights? A bit of guidance. James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. All you've got to do, if you lack wisdom, is ask. Ask in faith, believing. And the Holy Spirit will give you that understanding. The Holy Spirit will give you that wisdom and insight that you need. Do you believe me? You're looking at me a little strangely this morning, to be quite honest. I'm telling you, people, you want a strong walk with Jesus, you need to take this seriously. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of like a watered-down walk. God has given this to us. Why would you not use the tool, the instrument, that can bless and build you up? Anybody angry at me right now? Anybody ever get angry? All the time. This is for you, Ian. Ephesians 4 verse 32. You need to memorize this verse. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Whenever that anger rises, be kind and compassionate. I've got to forgive them because Jesus has forgiven me. Thank you, Lord. Okay. I'll be kind and compassionate. Thank you, Lord, that this fool in front of me, I'm going to have the power to forgive. And forgive me, Lord. I shouldn't call them a fool. Help me work that through. Do, do you understand the real lifeness of this? We, you don't have to be some holy Joe to be a Christian. This is the realness of life. And Christ says he'll walk alongside you. The Spirit of God in you. I, I promise you, this verse is a good one to remember if you, if you can't cope with anger. You, you just got to cool your temper. You've got to say, Lord, help me respond in an opposite spirit. Be patient. Help me with that, Lord. Let me be level-headed. I think in Ephesians 4 verse 26, this is a great one around anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger, it says Paul writes. Don't let the sun, especially if you're married. (laughs) Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Fix it before you go to bed. Stay up as long as it takes to get the issue resolved. Because if you fall into a pattern of sleeping with somebody and you're angry with them every single night and that happens again and again and again, I'll tell you right now, that'll be the beginning of the end. Get it sorted. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Such a short little portion of Scripture that we can say, God, I'm, 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 I'm holding on to that. I love this one, James 1.20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. How about that one, Ian? Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I think it's a fantastic verse. It feels good in the moment. I'm going to slam the door. Rage. 
kick the dog, oh, sorry, the cat. But it's not achieving the righteousness of God. How about contentment? We live in the West. We live in a country. I promise you, when I look at when it comes to the verge stuff and they throw out stuff on the verge, I'm amazed. I, I come from Africa. That stuff would not last an hour. It would be because the people have nothing. And here we live in a world where people put out dishwashers and fridges and sofas and all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. And yet... We have, we're bombarded with this thing like, buy more, buy more. You need this, you need that. Get that, get the next thing. If it breaks, don't fix it, get a new one. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. We live in a world today with a lot of people not content with what they have. And they love money. And the scripture says, keep your life free from the love of money. Don't let that be something that rules you. Be content. What about peace? I think every one of us should have a peace verse. Philippians 4 verse 7. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know what happens when you don't have peace? You have that inner stuff start going on again in your heart, in your mind. Like I was when I was at that counter. I had no peace. I needed peace. I should have been obedient to God. But there are moments where you don't have peace. And that's when a verse like this, you say, Lord, I need your peace. So it can guard my heart and guard my mind because I don't want to be listening to all of this other stuff. Your peace transcends all understanding. Give me your peace. What about if you've got a big challenge coming up? Philippians 4.13. Paul writes here, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Anybody know that verse? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Every one of us should memorize that verse. So when you're facing a challenge, I can do this. Because the strength of God is with me. God's going to get me through. When our two boys were like that high, watch my, watch my, she's going like this. Can you do that? When our two boys, they grew up, they had the privilege of having us as parents. Christ is, yeah. Adam and Jude got bombarded with this verse. I'd be in some other part of the house and, you know, they had to unpack a dishwasher or do some chore, and they'd be moaning and groaning. And I'd hear it from the other side of the house. Say after me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. <laughs> this is a verse that, whether they like it or not, has been forced into their heart. Never mind having it hidden in their hearts. And sometimes, you know, we need a verse like Zechariah 4 verse 6. You know, when it comes sometimes to strength, we can only do certain we can go a certain way or a certain length in our human strength we can't get always get everything done sometimes it's not by our human strength sometimes it's by the spirit of god in us and zechariah writes here not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the lord i use this a lot i use it specifically when it comes to the church because i don't know how things are going to go this is not a job i wasn't signed i've not been signed up for a job what i do is a vocation it's a calling and as I, as I follow the leading of God, I don't know always what's around the next corner. And sometimes I look at things and I say, God, like when I walked in this morning, immediately my heart dropped when I saw the dirty bins and the floors. And I was like, please, Lord, why me? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Ask God for his spirit to come into this place this morning. Am I actually getting... Are you... Are you 
I'll, I'll just go to one last verse. The Apostle Paul, he was asked one time about the, about the fact that he could land up losing his life. And um, he said this in Philippians 1.21. He said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. What an interesting phrase. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's like Paul was saying, it doesn't matter. I'm in a no-lose situation. It's a no-lose situation. If God allows me to live, or for as long as I have life, I will live for Christ. I will live for Christ. And if it costs me my life, if, 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 if my life comes to an end because I have to live for Christ, it does not matter. I get to go and be with Him. Paul had such clarity on this. He knew what he wanted to do with his life. He wanted to live for God. For me to live for is Christ to die is gain. Do you think we could say the same about our lives today? There are times, you know this, when life happens, stuff happens. You get sick, desperately sick. You lose someone. We engage in stuff in life. And sometimes, like, we don't know what to do. We're out of our depth. We're out of our depth. I want to encourage you this morning. Choose to live for Jesus. Just make that switch in your heart. Say to yourself, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust the truth of His Word. Acknowledge Him, like my life verse says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you acknowledge Him, He will lead you. He will lead you. And don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be scared or afraid. Jesus said over and over again, He said, fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid. Have no fear. He would say that all the time. Don't worry what might be around the corner. Don't worry what might be down the road. Don't worry about what might happen in next year or in 10 years' time. Because if your life is in Christ, if you live for Christ, to live for Him is everything. And if you die, you'll find yourself in Him. That means everything that's to come will be good. You might have some bumps and stuff, but what's to come ultimately is going to be good. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to actually, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get the importance of this across. You need this book. You need the language of this book to keep you fired up. You need the language of this book to keep you energized as a Christian. You need what's written in here to build up your spirit. You need this to follow Jesus. This reminds you where your focus should be. In whatever you are in, wherever you're going to go, this reminds you what your, where your focus should be. And if you're acknowledging God, you're not on your own. I don't know what the driving purpose of your life is. I, I, would, say, I would say this. I think there's lots of ways for us to get lots of things that we can do. But the bottom line, ultimately, is that every one of us has a responsibility. Every one of us, have to, we have to get that knowledge. So every one of us, actually, we can encourage one another with verses. We can text or email verses. We could put it on the newsletter. We could do all those things. But that's, you can't, unless with little children, like our boys, when we forced it into their, 
into their hearts, you have, to, you have to hide this in your heart. You have to say, this is, so, this is like, a, like a, a pearl in a field that I've just found. I'm going to give up everything. I'm going I'm to go get that. It's kind of like that, where we've got to go, this is, has that level of importance. So as, as adults, we actually have to take on the responsibility and say, you know what? I'm going to hide God's word in my heart. I'm going to acknowledge God in everything. I'm going to trust him to direct me in whatever I do. Even if in those moments I don't quite understand why, I'm going to do it. I'm going to love people like he loves them. I'm going to let this word shape my life. Like that sweet that I sucked on? That's what you've got to do with this. Do you know what the old Hebrew rabbis used to do? Because in the old days, the, the young Jewish children would like learn the first five books by heart of Scripture. And you know how the rabbis would do it? They would take the little children and they would, take, they would dip their finger in the honey and they would say, taste this. And they'd go, mm, that's really nice, it's really sweet. And those rabbis would say to the children, that's what the Word of God is like. It's like honey to your lips. And that's what's got to happen with us. We've actually got to have a mental switch where we're going, this should be like, it should be like the honey on my toast in the morning. This should be something that I'm, that I'm actually making the effort to say, God, I'm going to spend some time with you. I'm going to slow down and spend some time and get this into my heart, get it into my mind. Our problem today is that we wake up, we turn the TV on, we put the coffee machine on, we've got all this other stuff going on, and we're already into the busyness of the day. And we're not slowing down to say, God, I'm going to set apart some time to spend with you. And we say it. And we hear it. You hear me saying it. You hear your, your small group leader saying it. You hear your friends saying it. But you and I, we have to make that decision. We've got to flip the switch. We've got to say, I desire to make a change. I'm going to portion out a period of time in the day, in the morning, in the evening, somewhere, where I'm going to read God's Word. It might be a chapter. It might be a couple of verses. And I'm just going to spend some time in prayer. And the more you do that, the more you suck on that sweet, it's going to dissolve and it's going to become part of you. And that's the same with Scripture. I can only encourage you that far. We can encourage one another, find those ways, but ultimately, bottom line, you've got to brush your own teeth.